Hello, I'm Mark Halton and I'm here to tell you about six new marketing hacks you can use in 2021. <laughs> 22 now, Mark. <laughs> Fuck. You could have used in 2021 if you were so fucking lazy. Michael, I have a joke to start off. Oh, great. Okay, Mark. Uh, did you hear about the new um, circus that's opening on the M50? No. Circus Slow Lane. Oh. <laughs> and everyone just left and just put something else on. <laughs> of course, you're making that joke with this rather strange background music, Mark, because you, today's topic for Paper Chooses is circuses. Yes, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Google, stop. Oh, that's your new best friend, is Oh, it? it's class. It's very good. Yeah, I had a lot of wow. fun in the last few days. Why, why doesn't Joe Rogan just replace Jamie with, <laughs> Google. hey, Google? Yeah. Hey, Google, pull that up. <laughs> That's why, because Google is slow. Yeah, she's not responding. Sometimes she talks back. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> but you have kinky talk with uh, Bree's one. Oh, I do, yeah. Mm. Uh, Bree had to turn hers off because she gets annoyed because fl it, it flirts with me. I don't flirt with it. Mm. It blows me kisses and stuff. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> circuses, why circuses? Uh, sorry, no. Why are you dressed? Uh, I know our Spotify and audio listeners can't see, but you're dressed probably the most impressively dressed <laughs> I've seen you ever. To yeah, be the one time you wear a t-shirt, I dressed like this. Well, you said you sent me an email before today's <laughs> pod. You said I had to dress uh, in either business or casual, and Do you I want was to read out the email? half and half. Actually, yes, it is a good email. In fairness, uh, good evening, Mr. Dwyer. I hope this email finds you well. That's a classic of mine. I love it. And I'm going to throw in Happy New Year now. With, you know, I'll use that for as long as I can. Uh, prior to our meeting this evening, love it. I just have a few points of interest for you to circle back on before arrival. One, do not look me directly in the eye. Two, dress code is either business or casual. There is no option for middle ground. If you show up in business casual, you'll be asked to leave. Um, you will meet three. You will meet Baxter at reception. He will guide you to my office. He's it's on the top floor, obviously. So bring a packed lunch for the journey. I look forward to shooting the breeze. Love M. <laughs> M. That's a big one as well. Do you know? Uh, sorry, I, I, my favorite line here goes. You know the sent from my iPhone, sent from Outlook, sent from Office. Well, this email comes sent from my big huge office. <laughs> I don't know why, but when I read it, I actually read it as sent for my big, huge fucking office. I think that's, you get the impression anyway, you get the gist. Yeah. Uh, I noticed another abbreviation lately. ATB stands for all the best. Oh. Add that one to your dictionary, Mark. ATB. Yeah. ATB. So now, I just noticed it from you signing off as M there. Uh, and this, of course, is in the email entitled, Your Appointment with Mark Alpin. So... Um, there you go. Here we are. Here we are, Mark. And yes, I went for Angela Lansbury. I thought it was casual enough. I did have to do a bit of a change, costume change. <laughs> I can't believe you actually changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but Baxter didn't show me upstairs. No. I was disappointed. Baxter, Baxter needs can't to be make, trained. He can't make it past the first step. No. He's not limber enough. He's too, he's too small and stumpy. Oh. It's like, don't make it. Well, we love him for what he is. Yeah, so this is the new me. New oh, year, okay. new me. Okay. Business right. Mark. Yeah. It'd be really impressive if, like, you took a decision one day for fitness classes to turn up. To turn up like this. this. Yes, yeah. 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 I mean, you'd, you'd have the timekeeping go, you know, three, two, one, you know. <laughs> three, two, Get a clipboard one. as well. <laughs> yeah. This is the new Do a flood and fuck off the floor and you can't do it right. Uh, so we picked circuses today, Michael, to yes. look into. Why circuses? I just find them fascinating. Oh. I think I've been to a few, but do you remember when we used to go for lunch in Esso? Yes. And we used to hop the wall. 
Yeah. And do you remember one day seeing a circus there? Yeah. And there was an alligator underneath a lorry. I don't remember that. Wow. And camels everywhere. Remember the camels, the smell? I don't remember the camels, no. In the old gory Celtic pitch. Yeah. They had them there. I'm going to take these glasses off because I can't see. Even though they are my glasses. <laughs> They're smudged. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that? No, I didn't really take too much heat or remember much about them. But yeah, um, I suppose it is striking now that you talk about those sort of animals about the place. Yeah. And um, what's it? What was I going to say? Ah, <sighs> oh, it's gone. Anyway, I have some info on circuses here. So yes. I'm just going to start off with a few questions, Michael. Mm. Which circus performers can see in the dark? Um, camels. The acrobats. Oh. <laughs> the disappointment in that. Oh. <laughs> did, you, did you hear about the human cannonball? No. He got fired. <laughs> What happened to the elephant who ran away with the circus? Um, he got put in the truck. The, the police made him bring it back. Oh, <laughs> made him bring back the circus? Yeah. What happened to the, the elephant who ran away with the circus? The police made him bring it back. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's a different approach. What happened to the magician who got mad? I don't know. She pulled her hair out. Oh. What happened to the fortune teller who escaped from prison? She foresaw her arrest. She was a small medium at large. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Now, we'll get into the actual stuff. <laughs> okay. So, have you ever watched um, American Horror Story? No. Have you, Shane? Yeah. It's very good. See the circus one? Yes. It's very good. And it's kind of all about like the freaks and the freak shows. And your man P.T. Barnum, who had all these freaks. I'm going to have to pause you there. Is, was the freak ever connected to circuses? No. <laughs> freak <laughs> on. Main freak on. Okay. He's the height requirement. Okay, sorry. He's the ringleader. Now, lads, you know, if you do this. At the turn of the 20th century, many people who were born in unusual conditions joined freak shows in order to make a living. Horrifically, oh. some of them were forced into it. On May 19, 1884, the Ringling Bros officially opened for business, capitalizing on the extreme to earn a profit, making their freak shows. So the first one here is the Bearded Lady. So Michael, I'll just show you there. Oh, yes. Shane, if I send you a link to this, is it possible to put the photos? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the Bearded Lady here. Her name is Annie Jones. Quite an impressive beard. Mm. Uh, so she apparently, it's still unknown what caused her facial hair, but it was most likely hirutuism. A condition that leads to coarse hairs in the females in a male-like distribution. So she was offered, uh, the sorry, but P.T. Barnum offered her parents a three-year contract, 150 a week, when she was a baby because she was born with a beard. Apparently, she was kidnapped by another freak show owner, but eventually they found her. <laughs> they found <laughs> the kidnapper. Uh, apparently, that kidnapper said that the, apparently Jones was found in upstate New York, but then the kidnapper made a wild claim that the girl was actually his child. When the matter went to court, Jones quickly ran into the arms of her real parents. Uh, so, so yeah, in, a, in her final years, she began to campaign against the word of with the use of the word freak to describe sideshow performers. But she ultimately was unsuccessful, and by the end of her life, she had, in quotation marks, no, no, no other life than that of a freak. Right. So, 
quite a sad life there for that lady. Yeah. It would remind you, though, of The Greatest Showman. And, you know. Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah. Have you not? No. Oh, it's Is it good? well worth it. Is it? Yeah, yeah. That was P.T. Barnum, wasn't it? Oh, okay. He was I'm, the greatest showman. Right. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, what what is the premise of the show? Like, it's just a musical, isn't yeah, it? It's a, it's a rather uplifting theme that, you know, everyone has their place, even in the greatest show. And, Beautiful. You know, a lot of great music in it as well. I remember during lockdown last year, I was doing the Zoom classes and I was training a ladies football team and I was had my usual dance music on, you know, getting the vibes up. Oh, yeah. And they told me to turn it off and put on The Greatest Showman. Oh. So I did for 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> they went on to win the championship. They did, they? actually. Yeah. So there you go. They were the greatest show women. Yes. Led by the greatest showman. <laughs> James Flood. Uh, next then, Michael, is Jack Earl. Oh, right. The world's tallest man. There you go. So, uh, apparently... Wow. So, th that's a picture of him with another man on his knee. And apparently that other man is two metres, two inches tall. Whoa. That's quite the feat. Yeah. So, apparently Jack Earl stood six feet tall before the age of ten. By the age of thirteen, he was already over seven feet tall. His true height as, a, as an adult remains debatable, but numbers have ranged from seven foot seven to eight foot six. Apparently, he then fell off scaffolding when he was older and that led to his retirement he was in films like Hansel and Gretel and Jack and the Beanstalk I wonder who he played in those <laughs> uh, yeah so that was him the gentle giant began his ringling bros alongside two foot two meter tall major might who would spend the next 14 years in a show alongside him often posing alongside extremely short men or average sized men to further emphasize his height I would suspect, Mark, that he's not the only giant that has taken to circuses across the world over the years. Right. I, uh, uh, there was a thing, that I remember being in Kinsale, and there was the world's tallest man meant to have lived in this tiny row of terraced houses in Kinsale. In Cork. Yeah, in Cork. And he travelled extensively as the, the world's tallest man. Yeah. But, you know, because back then there was no way to, to verify his claims. Mm. It was a good way to make a few bob. I'm sure photos proved anyway how big he was. But I suppose it gives a pr an impression and an idea, Mark, of what circuses were like back then. You know, mm. you get the sense of the, the freaks. It's not like, it's not very organised. It's rather haphazard, a bit of everything. Uh, yeah. This sort of entertainment apparently erupted in the Victorian era. And mm. I have some, right. um, I, I might uh, intersperse no, your content there with some reflection on the Irish tale of um, what a circus is. So I went and went to the folklore books to yes. see about circuses. And um, the, the only story about circuses in Wexford, Mark, mm. there was a man named Andrew Cullen coming home from a circus in Timon. When he was passing by Wellington Bridge, he heard a voice call him three times. He knew the voice well. It had been a friend of his who had been dead four days. That, that was all. That's the, that's the story. <laughs> that's all Irish folklore comes back to. It's like, and it was a ghost. <laughs> Unreal, isn't it? Um, there was another... Or maybe there... No, I there wasn't a giant, but there's one fantastic story, right? It comes from mm. Killinall. And it was this circus field, right? And um, the field was owned by this man called Ormond. And uh, there was a dispute between the um the circus crowd and the locals and so the field owner gathered a crowd of locals attacked the circus but the circus people fought well to defend their property and were not choice in their use of iron weapons and spikes okay 
just in a small area of Tipperary, killing all. And uh, the tent was torn in shreds and a big amount of damage was done to the circus on the whole. The killing all bullies were nursing sore heads for months afterwards and neither had the satisfaction of victory. The last word lay with Patterson, who, by the way, was Johnny Patterson, Ireland's most famous clown. Um, he married the widow of Keeley, circus owner, hence the name Keeley and Patterson. Bit of a segue there from the author. Back to the story. <laughs> the, the circus men dressed up a few dozen of his employees as hurlers, marched them into the circus ring and carried on a skit on a hurling match. He kept up the catch cry, we are the killing all hurlers who never made a goal or a point. In this manner, the name killing all was carried to every corner of Ireland. I have heard the remark in Galway and Meath, Kerry and Waterford, whenever I mentioned where I came from, Patterson never visited Kildanon afterwards as the people were a bit sore over his ridicule of their athletes. <laughs> what a story. That was class. What year was that? This is like from the 1930s, right? 1930s. So this shows how that Victorian era of circuses continued. I thought there wasn't any circuses until our days when we were seeing camels in, in car parks. But really? no, this was the, the carry on. Yeah. There was a travelling circus and it was going around and entertaining folks and with haphazard form of entertainment. Now that, Mark, I, I was took by, as you know, these stories, look, they're tenuous at best. I mean, we've Andrew Cullen there and he heard a friend, the voice of a friend who was dead. And now we've this man, Patterson, who's meant to be Ireland's most famous clown. So I had to Google this fella. Mm. And it is the true that this man was quite the talented clown. He enrolled in the army at 14 as a drummer boy. And then he started uh, taking on songs and jokes. I suppose in nowadays he might have started a podcast. But then instead he uh, toured Ireland with his... Uh, his uh, circus and uh, eventually actually he was uh, scouted by a circus in England and uh, he went over to England he toured in England and he went over to America he was very popular in America and he basically had a hybridized clown costume with some European clowning elements into his look such as the conical hat of the harlequin and a white painted face with a costume more Irish in tone, Mark, a suit of tweed embroidered with harps and shamrocks. Mm. Um, so he had many a song and he, there was even a painting of him. Um, there was another. Oh, yes. He got political near the end of his fame. Right. This is this is the most fascinating part of him to me anyway. Right. So back in the 1890s, there was this move of the Parnellite movement. And this is where, you know, there was a, a home rule uh, campaign for Ireland. So Patterson was calling on. Uh, Irish men and women to overcome sectarian divisions and for Irish uh, Catholics and Protestants to live in harmony at peace with one another. So anyway, he went off in 1889 to Tralee and uh, the audience rioted when he performed the song and he was hit on the head with an iron bar. He was taken to the fever hospital where he died some days later of pneumonia. Jesus. So there you go. What a story for him. Yeah, and this, Mark, is the painting of uh, this famous Irish clown uh, by Jack Yates, which was, uh, uh, it was painted in oil uh, 40 years after his death. What, what strikes you about that painting? It's very unsettling, isn't it? It is. I think that artist is very intentionally painting the, the brighter figure as the clown and the darkness of the crowd around yeah. him, you know? It's yeah. very ominous. It is, yeah. Wow. So what an interesting man. Yeah, like this man started in the army and ended up trying to tell everyone, you know, politics is it's time to move on, time to come together. And so it, it took us, well, over 100 years for us as a whole island, island to see peace as a solution when you look at Good Friday Agreement. So, yeah, there you it go. all comes back to the clown. Yes. To the circus. The circus. Full circle. Indeed. Shall we dip into oh, your let's tales keep again? Going. 
just while we're on the subject of clowns, actually, Michael, yeah. do you uh, have you ever heard of John Wayne Gacy? No. He do you know John Wayne Gacy? John Wayne Gacy was a serial killer. Oh. In America, right. um, he murdered I think thirty to forty young men. He owned a construction company, but he was a birthday clown on the weekends. So he used to. You might be able to Google there quickly. So John Wayne Gacy, he's known as the clown killer. My gosh. And he, he uh, Why am I looking for him, man? Mm. Have you any memories of clowns? Were you scared of clowns as children? No, we never really saw them, I don't think, did we? Like, we had no access to clowns. Where would there be clowns? You, would, you we, never went to the circus? Once or twice, maybe. All right. But um, um, I always found it fairly boring now, to be honest. <laughs> Well, you're not painting the scene right for me. Anyway, <laughs> I went to Portugal and I remember the sweltering heat of the, in Portugal this one Saturday afternoon mm. when uh, we all went to um, the circus back and I was in a fit of laughter. For, I was only six or seven for the whole thing. I was in a fit of laughter and it was only then I realised how I have an unusual sense of humour <laughs> because in the end, after around 10 or 15 minutes, everyone in the audience started laughing at how lo- strongly I was laughing. <laughs> And looking back on the reflection, because my family still talk about it today, how I was just in a fit of laughter over in this at this Portuguese clown like. And the fact was, I think that I was laughing because I couldn't understand him. And here he was at all this flamboyance and you know, all this funny tone of voice. And I was like, what does he say? <laughs> <laughs> he was speaking like Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. But I remember he picked me up from the crowd and he asked me where I was from. And the, the whole thing, uh, we didn't know where... He didn't know where Ireland was, and then we had to figure that out. And, you know, <laughs> it was a different time. Oh, I would love to see that footage. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So this, Mark, is mm. John Wayne Gacy, a fine photo of this rather uh, yeah, notorious figure. happy looking at himself there, isn't he? Mm, yeah. So this is the killer clown. He sought and murdered at least 33 young men. Um, oh, and he went to children's hospitals and charitable events. Ooh, right. So... <laughs> Um, have you seen a documentary about this man? Yeah, yeah, there's documentaries on YouTube. He lured victims to his home and duping him into donning handcuffs in the pretext of demonstrating a magistrate, then rape and torture his captive before killing him by their Michael is spiralling, we'll move on. You've got another dark hole there. Yeah, yeah. John Wayne Gacy, bad fella. Yeah, we can come to that conclusion. He's not invited to the office. Right, so here is uh, Myrtle Corbin, the four-legged girl. Oh! It looks like she's given birth to another person, doesn't it? Yeah. So right. she had a rare disease known as Dipigus, and uh, she was from Texas. She uh, had two sets, four, two sets of legs, uh, two pelvises. With each pelvis, she also had two sets of legs. One was average size, the other was small. The two smaller legs were side-by-side, side, flanked on either side by her longer legs. According to medical reports, Corbin had the ability to move her two inner legs, but they were too weak to sustain her weight or to be used for walking, and they weren't even able to touch the ground. Doctors also noted that Corbin had two sets of internal and external reproductive anatomies. So could it be that like there, there were twins and then they kind of conformed into one? It maybe? does seem something like that, doesn't it? How, how long did she live? Uh, we'll find out now. Uh, Corbin died of a skin infection just six days short of her 60th birthday. Wow, she lived a fine life to have four legs like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. She had, so internal and external, does that mean male and female? Oh, oh, I never thought of that. Did you know that coronavirus is DNA? Is DNA. Has DNA. It's, It's its own DNA. No. No. 
Did what? you do a biology for Leaving Cert? Yeah. All right. What does this mean? Oh, no, it was just a side topic. I was talking about when you were asked there about internal and external organs, it struck me then how I my science logic is and knowledge is very low. And uh, yeah, Where did you hear this? Is, like, is this a new it was just finding? table talk. Oh, uh, t- it is DNA. It has, like, the flu has DNA. Yeah. And then it's this strain, when we talk about strain, that it's, oh. it's, it has its own. It's like a cousin of. Actually, it came up about my parents and their COVID diagnosis because um, th- my brother Keen has been leaving water just everywhere mm. so that they try and get it out of their system because mm. then it's it, because it's in their blood the idea that um, the more water you consume then you can get it out of your blood mm. so um, yeah that's how this all the science talk but it was all news to me anyway Ashton of course was um, aghast, aghast that I didn't know um, that you know these viruses have DNA so there they're, al- they're alive they're alive COVID is alive mm. next is Fedor Jeffichu it's probably where Chewbacca got his name. Yeah. He looks like a dog. And uh, was it Jojo the dog face boy? Uh, born Fedor Jeffichu in 1868, Jojo the dog face boy was a famed freak show performer from Russia brought to the US at the age of 16 by P.T. Barnum. Jeffichu was born with hereditary hypertrochosis, trichosis, aka werewolf syndrome, which caused an excessive amount of hair growth over the entire body. While advertising Jeffichu as a dog-faced boy, P.T. Barnum claimed that Jeffichu and his father, who had the same condition, had been captured by a hunter while living in a cave in the forest. Although Jeffichu was described as gentle, his father was depicted as a savage who was unable to be tamed and thus killed by the hunter. In reality, Jeffichu's father had performed inside shows just like his son, but ultimately drank himself to death with the money he earned. Oh. Billed as the most prodigious paragon of all prodigies secured by P.T. Barnum in over 50 years, Jeffichu was highly intelligent and spoke multiple languages. Although, how, sorry, however, he was still forced to bark like a dog on stage. Mm. Jeffichu quickly became the most popular, one of the most popular circuit performers. The New York Herald described him as being playful as a puppy and the most absorbingly interesting curiosity to ever reach these shores. Tragically, Jeffichu died of pneumonia at the age of 35 in 1904 in Greece. When the news of his de- when news of his death reached the United States, he was mourned by fans and performers from all over the country. Well, it's quite the tale, isn't it? Yeah, it's sad though, isn't it? The way like he was intelligent and spoke multiple languages, but he was still like just this story that they spun around to make money was that he was found in a cave. And- yeah, it sounds like the audience didn't get the opportunity to learn about his languages when he was on stage either. No. It seemed like he just needed a bark. Yeah. <laughs> bark for us, dog boy. We yeah. don't fucking speak fucking Italian somewhere else. Uh, so here's conjoined twins, Chang and Eng Bunker. Oh. Siamese twins. Uh, they are, they were the reason why Siamese twins became a synonym for conjoined twins. Oh, right. Because In, they were Siamese. Oh. Is, is that, where is Siam? Siam. The Prince of Siam. <laughs> where, where is that? I don't know. Hash boy. <laughs> Hat boy. In 1829, a Scottish merchant named Robert Hunter saw an unusual sight in the water. Well, <laughs> these are not fucking Loch Ness monsters. Siam uh, was Thailand. Oh yeah, it actually says it here. Oh. Uh, water while visiting the kingdom of Siam, which is now known as Thailand. Two boys conjoined at the sternum were taking a swim together. The boys who were named Chang and Eng Bunker were born in 1811 in a small town near Bangkok. They were considered medical marvels, especially since they had almost completely separate bodies from a small four-inch bridge of flesh that connected them. 
Hunter immediately saw an opportunity to make a profit. He tracked down the twin's mother and paid $500 to exhibit her children as a curiosity on a tour of the world as the Siamese twins. Uh, they played badminton. Did they? Yeah. Doubles, I think. Double. Doubles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they ended their contract when they turned 21. For years after they ran a show of their own, where they were able to earn money and mm. perform on their own terms. Still, they didn't like being gawked at and quit performing at freak shows and circuses altogether. They then decided to become American citizens and bought a plantation in North Carolina. But even though they were through it being a spite, this didn't stop them from running the plantation off the backs of enslaved people. The brothers owned 18 slaves, many of whom had been bought as children. Different times. Different times, different strokes for different folks, sure. <laughs> they caught bronchitis and died in their sleep in 1874. Eng awoke to find his brother dead. Within hours, Eng had passed away as well. Oh, what a fright. All's well that Eng's well. <laughs> uh, so here are George and Willie Muse, the men from Mars, in the middle there. What do you think is going on there, Michael? Oh, right. So these are, they look like... They look, they look, I don't know, they look tigerish. They look. Yeah, though these are the albino children of African Americans. Oh, it's right, because they look. are surrounded on either side it's, by. Yeah, see the photos in oh black and white, gosh. but they actually have white skin. Yeah. So George and Willie Muse stand beside their parents there, who are African American. Born black and albino in the Jim Crow South, brothers George and Willie Muse were kidnapped from their sharecropping community in 1899. At the time they were abducted from their home in Roanke, Virginia, George uh, was just six and Willie was just nine. They were able to be, they were about to be forced into a circus by a freak hunter named James Herman Candy Shelton. Pushed to grow their hair out into dreadlocks and emphasize their features, George and Willie were ordered to perform in freak shows as the men from Mars and plenty of other humiliating nicknames. Though they were popular performers, the brothers were only given the bare necessities in return and they weren't allowed to keep their wages as their white managers made untold sums of money off their humiliation. It doesn't get any better. George and Willie Muse were told that their mother was dead even though she was still alive to discourage them from thinking about their family members while trying to oh escape from gosh. the circus. But in the meantime, their mother Harriet Muse was working tirelessly to release them. She faced an uphill battle to do so, especially considering the severely racist atmosphere of the time and the fact that many authorities didn't take her complaints about the circus seriously. Incredibly, she was able to free them by attending a performance herself in 1927. The brothers, who by that point were in their mid-thirties, immediately recognised their mother in the crowd. Before long, they were reunited and finally allowed to go, finally allowed to go back home with their family once again. Wow. Imagine that. That's freaky. Yeah. Eventually, they signed a new contract on better terms, though their wages were sometimes still stolen. They were able to send money back to their family. The brothers retired in the mid-1950s and spent their later years telling stories about their harrowing experiences. In 1972, George Mews died of heart failure, and Willie, survive, would, Willie would survive until 2001, where he died at the age of 108. My gosh. Be the Remarkable. That's crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, this, this guy's kind of boring. He's just... Because of his... <laughs> That's kind of a boring story. I read this earlier. Uh, Isaac W. Sprague was the living skeleton. So he was... Uh, he grew as a normal child until he was 12. Till about... He was 5 foot... He, and he weighed 43 pounds and stood 5 foot 6 tall. And then he just stopped growing. And he used to carry a jug of milk around his neck to drink constantly to put on weight. But it never worked. Uh, P.T. Barnum took him on and sold him as, as a show as the skeleton man. Just because he was so skinny and frail. He died on January 5th, 1887. Though he earned good money as a reformer, Sprague gambled much of it away and died in poverty. 
none of these are very um uplifting uplifting no uh there's another lady here with a big foot i think her name was fanny and is <laughs> schlitzy pinhead she's from the oh, american looks, horror stories she looks very happy very happy yeah so they call her pinhead uh one of the most prolific freak show performers schlitzy was born uh sorry appeared in most major circuses of the 20th century, including Dobridge International Circus, Ringling Bros, Barnum and Bailey Circus, and the Tom Mix Circus. She was born in 1901 with a condition called microephalsy. This condition causes a small brain, skull, and head, as well as an underdeveloped body. Schlitzi, whose real name may have been Simon Metz, spent his early life in foster homes before landing in the circus. There, Schlitzi charmed his fellow performers with his childlike innocence, with the mental capacity of a three or four year old. He could speak only in short sentences and phrases. But Schlitzi also endured the taunts of jeering audience who called him a freak, cretin, and moron. In 1932, Schlitzi got something of a big break when he was cast in the film Freaks, though the movie was panned. The Hollywood Reporter called it an outrageous onslaught upon the feelings, the senses, the brains, and the stomachs of the audience. It briefly made Schlitzi a star. However, fleeting fame couldn't save Schlitzi from the harsh world of circus life. Though a chimp trainer named George Sertris took Schlitzi under his wing and cared for him like a son, Sertis died soon after, and then his daughter decided to send Schlitzi to a mental institution in Los Angeles. Mm. He spent the last few years of his life performing before retiring in Los Angeles. In 1971, Schlitzi died and was buried in an unmarked grave. It wasn't until 2007 that a fan raised enough money to place a black headstone on Schlitzi's resting place, a sign of respect and acknowledgement that a freak show performer so lacked during his life. Well, it's quite the tale. Quite the tale. What do you make of those, a glimpse into those people's lives, Mark? <sighs> it's sad, isn't it? Like, the fact that, but it's sad but understandable. You know, no one wants to admit that when you see something like that, you're not captivated by it. Mm. Do you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's wrong to have them enslaved and to sell them as freaks I, I suppose it seems so hard to transcend to break past those chains I suppose a lot of times there were contracts involved and they couldn't break past them anyway yeah and there's people say it's different times now or whatever but we still do it to an extent these people made a living out of this, these things whereas they couldn't have otherwise you know yeah would those people have made any money do you think that, I know their physical characteristics led to a lot, but do you think that there are less, there are less candidates or less people like those characters around today because of edu free education and the like? Free education? Well, some of them like were genetic disorders. Mm. I think a lot of them. But like, we still have people that we look at. Like, have you ever seen the Howard Stern show? No. There's people on that like your man Beetlejuice. And just people with uh, mental disabilities and things like that that are still seen as freaks, but we they're used for entertainment purposes. Right. So is that any different from those freak shows? There, no. I suppose. Like, well, maybe the conditions they live in. Yeah, and they they might have it. I suppose there's a little bit more freedom today, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. What's your view on it? Like, would you go to a freak show? I never even thought of it. Would I go to? No, I don't think no. so. I barely get time to go to the cinema. I don't think I'd pick out a freak show and decide it. Would you go? I imagine if I lived back then, I would only go to freak shows. <laughs> you say that with a, an honest and open heart. Yeah, I do. Like, they didn't know any better then. Like, if someone told me they found a boy, a wolf man in the woods in Russia. Yeah. And it, his father tried to fight off the hunter. 
and they were living in a cave and now we have him and he's in the market hall or the market house in Gory. Obviously, I'm going to go fucking Yeah. Sleep. I suppose you, when you encapsulate it like that, you've piqued the interest. You ha- you know, there, there's this tale, there's the story, there's the journey is encapsulated there. Um, whereas today, when we look back on it, maybe we're just looking at it as the, the person with hair on their face or the, um, the person with unusual characteristics. So, yeah, you have... Um, you might have two sides there. Going on. Would you have cancelled P.T. Barnum? Oh, that's a great question, Mark. No. No? No, but I, I cancel very little now. Really? Yeah. Would you have cancelled P.T. Barnum? No, I wouldn't. I would have been... There for sure. shows, you know, yeah. yeah. You I, would have been disappointed if you <laughs> paid good money for it today. Yeah, I would have done my Back to work, work experience in the mine or whatever you were doing. Work, work experience in P.T. Barnum's in T.Y. if I could have. <laughs> This this may relate to your interest in the unusual, Mark. I mean, Mm. I know we've discussed it in very early podcasts, but like you did have exotic animals when you were Mm. younger. Yeah. Do you think part of it was the novelty factor that that lured you? Yes. 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 And I love weird people and, and different people. Mm. I just I just find them fascinating. Brie does notice this in you too. Yeah, yeah, she does. And she notices it in you as well. She's mm. like, um, that's one thing you might have in common is just strange people. Mm. And we do. We uh, do. Like, the strange people are strangers. strangers. I'm just happy to... There was a man today and he told me how the electric car isn't saving him money. And, you know, I'm still glad I met that man in Applegreen today. <laughs> and he, was, he just told you this. Yeah, he just... And to be honest, I had blocked him from exiting the petrol station and then I had blocked him from being able to access his car. So I thought he'd be quite irate. But no, he just wanted a man to tell him about the, the car. So now I learned that from that man that electric cars, we need something better. And apparently hydrogen cars might be coming down the way. So Hydrogen? Yeah. It's these, these, these hybrid cars. Oh, well, he had a hybrid now, but hydrogen is a gas, I think, and it's going to run on hydrogen. This is what the car companies are saying, because the electric batteries aren't big enough or environmentally friendly enough mm. for, for them to sustain a, a, a widespread expansion into electric vehicles. Did we not think we'd be in electric vehicles by now, all of us, mm. like it's 2022? Yeah, hasn't there been deadlines for 2030 and stuff? Is there? The way? They're getting rid of all diesel cars by then. Yeah. She might hold out and get it. There's no point in buying the diesel car now. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Might do the same. Yeah. Sure. Well, the way Elon Musk is going, I'd say we'll be going out hovercrafts. Or Elon, Elon Musk. Elon. Elon Musk. <laughs> Tell me, do you li- have you listened to his podcast with Lex Freeman? I saw it advertised. Is it good? Have you uh, seen? I haven't heard it now. No, right. I just I'd would Lex be good now? Would he? I could see myself daydreaming five seconds in, listening to them talk. Really? Not that they're boring. Just I don't, the monotonous tone. Okay. And the the hyper intelligence. Yeah. It's just a bit much for me. I'd like to listen just to fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, have I told you before when I, when Musk is on Joe Rogan, mm. it's like a politician going on like local radio station. He knows three things, and like he's happy to talk about everything. But like at numerous points in the conversation, he will come back and say, "A B C, yeah, but A B C," you know, like and it's just things that he wants to push and more power to him. Jesus, that's the way the world works: promotion and PR and whatever. He doesn't really do PR though, does he, Elon? Like, no, you know, he doesn't. Isn't that a thing? He doesn't advertise Tesla. 
Yeah. Oh, right. There's no advertising budget for Tesla. Like, we don't wow. He is the marketing of it. It's, it's incredible, like, isn't it? Isn't it crazy how he can just say dog coin is shit and then like, everything, yeah. everyone sells? And did you see he did something? He said he was going to make a change and um, the he did a Twitter poll. Mm. It took three days. And that was then he made a change that impacted like his shareholders or whatever, you know. So, Jesus. A uh, little bit of democracy in action there just going back to the circus i have another story here this comes comes from donegal there was a circus man living in glen ely near cull duff who came to a priest's house looking for help the priest asked him who he was and having been told he asked him what he could do just then a woman came to the priest to hear her confession uh, and she saw the circus man standing on his head uh, she went on in thinking that this was the penance that the priest gave him and when the priest was giving her the penance, she said, oh, please, Father, don't give me the same penance that you gave that man out there. I couldn't do that. She thought the priest was going to tell him <laughs> to stand on her head. <laughs> um, another one, this comes from Roscommon. There are many tales like this, but these are local heroes. And one such hero was Michael Carver, who was a very strong man. When a circus came to town, he used to go up and perform in the ring, lifting heavy weights. Oh, now he goes to Tower Hill. Mm. A great many strong men in the circus used to challenge him, but he could beat all of them. He is not as strong as now as he was. He used to throw very big stones, Mark. Um, he used to mend watches and clocks, and when he had them finished, he often walked 20 miles to deliver them. He often walked to Saigo. That, Mark, is 26 miles in a day. He could also run very fast. Does, uh, sorry, Michael, interrupt now. Does sorry. this man live in Tinahili at the minute? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he might have a relation. Who knows, oh, Mark? Who knows? To back to the story, yes. <laughs> he could lift very heavy stones out of their places in the ground. And now, Mark, this man lived in the workhouse in Boyle, Roscommon. So, there you go. The workhouse is Michael, right? So you kind of told me what this was before. Mm. What work was there in the workhouse? Uh, they made roads. Made roads. They, they made, like, there were poor law unions. There were like district councils. And the rich and the wealthy people came up with ideas and schemes that they could come up with. And they were called poor law relief work. Mm. So there were little roads done near, say, between Gorey and Cortown. And they were roads that would have been constructed during the famine with people from the workhouse. Um, I'm sure they did other sorts of general labour. Um, see, I suppose you're talking about a different like back back at that time. They were all labourers, so when the labourers couldn't get work as farmers because of the famine, then that th that that's a huge factor. Then in well, that's a factor anyway in why people then have to look for support and subsistence subsistence through um the workhouse the workhouse yeah i have a question about the famine okay and this might seem a bit outlandish okay how did they starve just because potatoes were gone how did they starve just because potatoes were gone um there's other food in ireland like berries rabbit berries no like all the food like the british empire took it because they needed the food to supply their population so like the population of britain was obviously so vast at that time as well they didn't have enough food like ireland was part of their income of food mm. so they needed food to feed their people so they were taking food extracted from ireland that's why ireland was left with the potatoes that grew like all very easily except like gathered food and all the rest was like taking like all the fish everything like was 
Jesus. Skills wouldn't, you. not everyone would have been a skill to be a fisherman. Like, what's gas about the famine? Well, I don't know if you can say that, but um, <laughs> like the famine affects rural areas in totally different ways. Some are absolutely decimated. Some get on okay. We were fairly all right in Wexford, mm. but then Cork was just totally decimated in parts of it. And they've done maps to illustrate it. Uh, what Shane says is, is right as well, yeah. Um, uh, no, sorry, how was it fixed? How, was we how, how did we fix the famine? Well, the, the blight went away. So it was because of poor... The, there was a potato blight. Mm. Uh, and the weather just got a bit more uh, fairer in that. It, you know, because uh, the potato doesn't like um, changes in the weather. doesn't like hot, going from heat to cold. Oh. Maybe our potatoes getting bad now then. Potatoes are only hot. grown like around, say if it was in Easter and there was, say if there was a burst of hot weather and then cold weather, then around June or May you get a blight warning on the on the met air. Still happens. But we can spray for blight now. Oh, very yeah. good. I must say that I, like, I'm not an expert. Not an expert. Did you know that sex lying down was invented during the Industrial Revolution? No, but I'm glad it was a bit the, the famine. <laughs> the ceilings were too low. In the high-rise flats that they build for the workers. Oh, right. Apparently, up until then, people always had sex standing up. And I'd say they had it outdoors. <laughs> outdoors, yeah. I think I think back in the day, like, outdoors was fairly common. It was fairly laissez-faire. Yeah, well, I'd no. say you'd still have to hide behind a bush. I'd say that, <laughs> I doubt they were doing it outside the market house now or anything like that, but um, that was... Sorry, so they... Before that, you do standing up. Hmm... I'm going to have to go there, okay. man. Huge families back then. Mm. Two rooms. Yeah. What was going on? I don't know. Maybe they were good sleepers. Maybe they were good sleepers. Maybe they turned a blind eye. Who knows? Blind eye. <laughs> You'd want to have your eyes closed in case you fucking <laughs> slice into it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but you see it even in it, like fucking 90 Day Fiance. Uh, in my research, I've been... <laughs> <laughs> Like they all like all these poor countries, they all sleep in the one fucking room. And yeah. it's very weird. In yeah. Africa, where Soldier Boy lives, who married Baby Gal Lisa. You, you remember him? Oh Baby Gal Lisa. I think My so. My baby love. This lad. He yeah, sleeps he shares a house with his three housemates and they all sleep in the same big bed. And it, it's fine. He was like, we're the guys, we're the boys, we, we sleep together. You but need that spirit, don't you? I don't know if I need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, I, mm. I've yeah. Go on. Or no, we're, we're going to have to. No, it's just I've. Uh, I know people that uh, like they they've grown up until they were maybe in their twenties. They were bunk beds, mm. and um, they are remarkably close. Mm. <laughs> it tells a lot. Well, not in such ways, but yeah, <laughs> not overly remarkably close. <laughs> yeah. Mark, since you're are the best dressed here today, I thought I'll save this opportunity now. I have a funny thing that I do in that uh, I delivered some of my Christmas presents today. Um, right. Yeah, this is what now the 3rd of January. And so I had some Christmas cards and stuff. And one of the Christmas presents is yours, Mark. So I want to tell you now what you've won. Right. Uh, so your Christmas present is, have you ever heard of the podcast? Um, what is it called now? <laughs> Jane? Uh, my dad wrote a porno. Yes. Yeah, we're going to see the live podcast of my dad wrote a porno. Oh, hooray. <laughs> when? I think it's in May. Oh, class. I may listen to it. <laughs> yeah. I have no oh, idea no, my dad wrote a porno. Yes. Yes. 
I have listened to that. Yeah. That's class. Right. I fuck I fucking stopped listening to it, but I may I may finish it. Yeah. Uh, have you listened to most of it? No, none of it. None of it. Oh. But I just knew that we good, so yeah, I just, uh, it's yeah. very good. Gets when good is it? Reviews. I think it's in the start of May. It's before our baby helping arrives. Our baby. So, yeah. <laughs> before our baby. <laughs> 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 baby Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> baby Tuesdays. Baby Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah. We'll be big at that stage. It'd be, oh, Breed will be, yes, yes, she will, yeah, yeah. Um, any closing thoughts on circuses, Mark? Would you ever like to run a circus? Yes, mm. absolutely. <laughs> 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 well, you know, if we, yeah, I'm just, no, I was going to make an inappropriate uh, joke that people that are, like to protect animals wouldn't like, so I'm just going to save Fuck. that one. <laughs> you see that meme that was like... Uh, uh, what was it? My New Year's resolution is to start eating twice as much meat just to cancel out any vegetarians <laughs> trying to do good. <laughs> wow. Have we any other clues for um, he who shall not be named on this he podcast? He who shall not be named. Uh, oh, the environmentalists wouldn't like his second name. Ah, there you have it. There you have it. My Instagram story. Did you see the little... I did. It was very clever. It actually made me uh, need to think about it. (laughs) So, well done. Well done. Yeah, so we have talk of our next live show now as well. We'll just get in. We're in the AOB part of the business. AOB now. Yes, guys. Uh, 1st of April. Are we booked? Oh, yeah. It's booked there. We're booked. April Fool's Day. Yeah. This isn't an April Fool's joke. Yeah. We'll be doing our next live show. But who knows? Maybe we won't show up. When they buy the tickets. <laughs> It'll be a monologue with Frico. <laughs> <laughs> they get their money's worth. They would. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait. Really? Yeah. Oh. oh yeah. Like sure, do crack me. Well, not crack, but like the fucking the whole experience didn't last on the class. I have to say, it cha- I was so grateful that day that it changed my impression of my birthday this year because I thought, well, Jenny, there are more, far more important days in life and I tell you, the show was one of them. It mm. was just one of those days where everyone supported you, backed you to the hilt and you were able to give them a little bit of a laugh in exchange. Yeah, it was the last kind of big thing you could do with COVID and all, wasn't yeah. it? Like, I'm amazed we got that many people there. We were we had just finished our dress rehearsal. We sound so professional. And then we heard of the new restrictions that were coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. So... Yeah, we hope for full capacity on the 1st of April and we hope to fill her. So spread the word and we'll have tickets on sale as soon as possible. Now, since we're in AOB, Mark, I suppose we should take this opportunity to say that there has been a change in the Paper Chooses team. And it's with a heavy heart that we bring you the news that our producer, Robbie Dunn, has Mm. gone on to Pastures New. And uh, we wish him every success in acting and everything. Robbie was a, a rock in our early days of the podcast and he'll be sorely missed and um, we, we can only wish him every health, happiness to him and his family and Muckridge as a whole. Absolutely. Namaste, Robbie. Namaste. Um, I think we'll end up. But we're in the capable hands now of our new yes. uh, producer in full, Shane Halpin. He's taking yes. on the role. And credit to, if you want to start your business on the right foot with a good video, with a good model, then you can go to Shane Halpin Marketing. So you do modelling now for him, I hear. Yeah, I do. Yeah, actually, that's true. I did it. Yes. And in other news, Mark Halpovitis is going from strength to strength. And uh, there was a class this morning and three people, someone just was walking by in the street and she just joined in. (laughs) It was just such good crack. And you can too. Just go on to uh, Mark Halpin Fitness on uh, the Instagram page. And uh, it's classes from as little as eight euro a go. You won't regret it. So... That's enough advertising today. Yeah. You've been fantastic. You have a fantastic day and I wish everything but uh, everything for you. Potatoes, good ties 
and uh, some good socks. ATB. Love Eminem. <laughs> <laughs>